We live? Okay, we're live. Hello. Hello, everyone. We're live. Okay. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of Downstage with Brian Hayden. Uh, so, yeah, the, this weekend was Super Bowl weekend. Normally, there's a big bunch of commercials to be talked about. Uh, from a viewer standpoint, there wasn't that many big commercials that I saw outside of, you know, the trailers that we're going to be talking about in a couple of moments. But from a commercial standpoint, it wasn't that many, like, like there was a commercial that, you know, that was E-Trader, like E-Trader did their commercial of a baby doing uh, taxes and whatnot or stocks, wherever the E-Trader does. And they haven't done the baby thing since like maybe 2003, 2004, around that area. So they brought back a sense of character. Close to 20 years ago into the more common age of like almost like a boss baby type of thing. But otherwise, it just felt like a lot of these commercials were very okay. There wasn't that many like big commercials outside of the trailers that, you know, that I'm like accustomed to now where it's just like, okay, Super Bowl, what type of trailers are coming out for the Super Bowl? All right. Mm -hmm. So there was a a bunch of trailers that were released for the Super Bowl. Uh, Doctor Strange 2. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Jurassic Park, Dominion. Uh, what else? A DC spot that was based on the uh, upcoming movies for the year: Black Adam, Flash, uh, uh, Aquaman two, uh, which was essentially very brief shot. It wasn't like a big thing. It was just basically mm-hmm. uh, brief shots of the characters in place. You know, it's like mm-hmm. nothing really major. You could tell that like they're saving like a bigger. Thing like down the line, mm-hmm. like once the Batman comes out in theaters next month, you could probably they'll probably release like the biggest trailer so far, which is probably going to be Black Adam. Yeah, and, and well, there's already actually been a trailer I think that released for well, Black Adam, but like it was like more like of a, I think yeah. more of a teaser though. Yeah, a theatrical trailer for Black Adam as opposed mm-hmm. to the teaser trailer. Yeah. You know, teaser tra- they only have like maybe two t- teaser trailers right now. And so right when the uh, probably when the Batman drops or around that area, they probably release a, a, a more theatrical trailer for the Black Adam to show mm-hmm. what type of character they're doing and how much of an anti-hero he's going to be for the uh, DCEU. Because they're, they're definitely setting up as like almost like uh, Superman, like an actual darker Superman type of character as opposed to what Zack Snyder believes Superman is and stuff like that too, which isn't a uh, a rip on Zack Snyder. It's just that, you know, Superman isn't a very uh, haunted guy that, you know, is conflicted about his actions. He's a very hopeful and optimistic type of person. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Batman is the type of character who's always conflicted about his uh, actions, even if he has to uh, cross the line and do all that stuff. But And he, and he still gets them wrong. Yeah. You know, you know, but Black Adam seems like the type of person who will, who is willing to cross the line and not feel affected by it because he believes it's probably like the, the it's the the right means to that end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, like I can tell they're definitely going to go with that angle that like one of the big things with the character, like especially like in Injustice too, like he wants to protect his city. Yeah, um, I'm blanking on the name on it, but like that's a big part of his character. Card uh, Cardac or something like that. Yeah, Kandar, I think. Or Kandahar. Kandahar, I think that's what yeah. it was. So it's like, yeah, that's. I feel like that's going to be a big part of that movie. And also, it's interesting too. It's like in the, in like in the comics and the source material, how Black Adam gets his power is that he basically kills his kid to do it. Yeah, because you know he because you know in the comics he is a villain, but since they're making him antihero, it looks like they're going to have some other antagonistic force be the one who kills Black Adam's kid and then Black Adam's somehow going to get his powers from maybe well, from that somehow possibly or by some other means. Well, if you go by uh, Shazam 2, I mean Shazam, the uh, the Black Adam was actually mentioned in Shazam as the champion that Shazam was talking about, how he basically was that champion before Billy Batch and, and or rather, just uh, with Sajam, uh, Sajam, Sajam, very tongue-tied today. But basically, how before Billy Batson became Sajam, 
there was another like, great champion in it, and they got probably allude to the great champion being uh, Black Adam and how Black Adam was the one who used his powers for, you know, ultimately for his own good and like his own like needs and whatnot. And then probably in this one, they probably showed like that own needs was to essentially protect his own country and stuff like that too. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, they did black Adam. The flash only had like maybe like literally a flash of like, a, like literally a flash of just, uh, Ezra Miller as a flash about to go into the speed force and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. You know, compared and, to, and a new looking suit too. Yeah. You know, which actually compares to what, which compares to sort of like them modernizing the Flash shoot in the DCEU, where it's just like it's constantly evolving. Like, mm-hmm. especially with, uh, and especially since Barry is now going to becoming a, you know, CSI guy, mm-hmm. you know, people actually, like one of my friends, Dylan, he said, why does the shoot look like a fingerprint? And it kind of like just dawned on me, like, if Barry is going to be a CSI uh, person now, he might have an idea of, you know, creating a shoe that basically mirrors a fingerprint. Because if you're in, in CS, you know, in uh, as a forensic, uh, forensic science, you know, you're probably going to doing a lot of fingerprints and stuff like that, too. So, <laughs> yeah, leaving leaving his identification <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all but, over. Yeah, but. This shoot looks nice, uh, and I love the fact that they finally gave uh, Barry a wind visor thing on his glasses, whatever it's called. Yeah. I used to just call it the, the wind visor because technically speaking, it, does look, it is basically a wind visor. <laughs> That's really what it is, yeah. Uh, and the last uh, the last moment was basically Aquaman, and I think it was just basically Aquaman on his throne, and like just like Aquaman on, on his throne, or some throne to mm-hmm. that effect, and uh, I will say that they, the the water effects look just about the same in Aquaman, but mm-hmm. it, it is hard to make to essentially make a underwater thing look well underwater. Like mm-hmm. it, it's hard to make an under the water environment look like you could you know breathe and swim and talk underwater without looking you know it's computer. So obviously, well, 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 I mean how they communicate. Um, as we definitely saw in like the Zack Snyder version, is that it's more telepathic communication when they're underwater, like they don't open their mouths. Yeah, which makes sense. You wouldn't be opening your mouth to talk underwater because it, it, the war, the words just wouldn't form. The only time where they were able to do that is when Mara created some like shield or whatever that like got rid of the water, and they were just you know standing around and you know breathing in air. Yeah, and then could actually talk. Yeah, but I honestly think, but it looks. Like I, I, I can't wait to see an actual like full trailer for these uh, movies mm-hmm. coming out. So yeah, like it's hard to say too because it's like, yeah, like Aquaman. You can tell that still that one is still the most in the works. Yeah, there's barely anything that's come out. Like I think there's been some behind the scenes stuff they've shown, but there's just not a lot to really like really yeah. get a good assessment of right now at yeah. all. Uh, but uh, again, outside of trailers, they had the DC's like one minute like clip of like movies to come, but especially for this year. Uh, Jurassic Park Dominion. They released the trailer like almost like uh, like a week and a half ago. Like 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 really a week and a half ago. Like you said before, or yeah. we're recording uh, about. It's basically the same trailer that we that that's been on the internet for the past like almost two weeks or so, mm-hmm. and and anything else. It was like nothing really stellar outside Doctor Strange too, which uh, well. And I'm, and I'm almost wondering if this could even be by design as well, because everyone probably knows how crazy Doctor Strange is going to be just from that teaser trailer they did a while back. Not just how crazy alone that one looked. Yeah. And because everyone knows that Sam Raimi and, you know, he's going to bring the crazy shots. And yeah, like, oh, yeah, there was so much craziness in that trailer that I, I think whatever trailer could have possibly come out like. If some like you know someone was like you know let's make the craziest trailer we can make, it still wouldn't come close to Doctor Strange. And I feel like they knew that, and they're like, okay, yeah, let's just put something out. We know Doctor Strange is gonna get all the attention. Yeah, and because it's good, is the next Marvel movie coming out? It's gonna be in May, close to my birthday or after my birthday. I'm not really sure. <laughs> so you're you know March is you know gonna be your Batman month. 
Oh, May, yeah. it's gonna be my, May is probably going to be the month for Doctor Strange for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm mean, i definitely pumped for that movie, too, now, just from that trailer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, especially because, like, especially like, like uh, they kind of get back into, like, kind of talk about, like, one of my things with Marvel, and it's, like, their marketing problem. That was one thing I didn't like about the Spider-Man trailers was how predictable the movie was from it. Like, I pretty much predicted what I was going to see with this, with the Doctor Strange trailer. I have so many possible predictions of what could happen. And I like the fact that I don't know what actually could happen that I don't think any of my predictions are probably going to come true. And I'm just yeah. going to be shocked by what that, what's going to happen. Like it is the, what if Dr. Strange going to be the villain or is this alternate universe Wanda going to show up and be the villain? Yeah. Or is Wanda herself going to end up, change and become the villain because of her meeting her what if version and and then like that line she has where like she's talking to dr strange or it's like you know you break the rules and you get rewarded i break the rules and then everyone gets upset with me that's not really fair is it and then and it's like i feel like that could even be the well, perfect setup wonder you did it sleep a town so not to mention i'm pretty sure some of those people had kids yeah and that's and that was a big point too the kids just seem to have disappeared or I think it was said that they were locked in their rooms. Who was feeding those kids, though? Because if the parents were made to forget that they had kids, essentially, and not to give them attention, more or less. This is the type of Are stuff- there dead kids in this town, though, now? Is it, Wanda like, Fisk responsible for these kids just starving to death? This is the type of stuff that you now will think of, like, a year after WandaVision. Where it's like, oh, you kind of, like, kind of glosses over all this stuff because, you know, Viz, you know, Viz is like- where are the kids, Wanda? And, and then suddenly it's Halloween, and all the kids just suddenly come out of the blue. Exactly. But if also, also because we have no idea how long that was going on until it got to that. Like, cause I'm trying to remember because I don't think like because it was going on for a while, right? That whole yeah, yeah. Well, before before um, whatever that agency was found out about it. I I think. Yeah. I, well, honestly, like there, I I. I I think there was time in between. Like it wasn't just like it happened one day and then the next day they found out. Like there was, I feel like I think there had to be some time in between. I think. Yeah. What if I remember correctly, Wander like directly after you know Biz's you know Biz's death, you know mm-hmm. Vision's death, she goes to the plot of land that was supposed to be you know there you know like retirement home and stuff like that too, mm-hmm. and then basically erupts into sort of like the thing that we saw in Age of Ultron, which is that like nuke of emotions like destroying everything you know, like destroying all the uh ultron things but in this case it's sort of like the the same thing but it essentially tapped into the the chaos magic that was essentially in her which you know you know it would be nice to, to see that the chaos magic was already in her in age of ultron but you're like yeah we're probably not gonna do magic and of course, you know this being Marvel down the line, they, you know they change their minds. Mm-hmm. So the idea of her angst and emotions and her essentially her depression of over Vision's death going into an entire town and then basically putting that entire town into one big. Uh, bubble of essentially just trapping them in in a uh, like her own personal nightmare or something like that for like it could have been days it could have been like weeks but it, it might have been like a couple of days in 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 timeline line i think in timeline wise it was probably a couple of days and then the people at um uh, at the um like now I'm forgetting the name of that uh, government agency, but the mm-hmm. uh, the new the the anti shield. I was calling the anti shield. Yeah, <laughs> they they basically are the anti shield. Um, you know they come in, they send in moniker, and then moniker got you know gets trapped in, and then as the days are going by, like the month, like like at least a few days has gone by when Monica goes, you know, comes back out into the real world and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. Even though it feels like an episode has just passed because, you know, that, I think that's how the time frame feels like in, in, in Westview. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it definitely feels like there, there is sort of like a hypocritical, uh, like answer for Wander saying, Oh, because Dr. Strange changes reality, he gets rewarded, but while she changes reality, she gets, um, 
ostracized as an enemy. But mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and, and it's like, the, and it's like one that I think has been kind of getting used to like being reaffirmed by you know her fellow team members. Like literally, Monica saying like they'll they'll never know what you sacrificed for them. Um, I don't think they care though. I don't think they care that they were being like held hostage by yeah. this witch who like literally forced her depression on everyone else. Like instead of her actually dealing with her mental and emotional yeah. traumas, she literally forces it on everyone else like some toxic ex. Yeah, essentially. But and, and, and this but yeah, and I think that's actually gonna come up in the um Doctor Strange movie because as we see in one of the stills, Doctor Strange gets captured and he's meeting with this council, the Illuminati. I think they're gonna be Yeah, it's definitely good. There's no ifs, ands, or buts around it. They're probably gonna it's probably gonna be like the multiversional. It's probably like the TVA uh Illuminati or the anti TVT. Mm-hmm. If anything this is probably going to be like the multiverse Illuminati or thing to combat the TVA because of how essentially Kane, I mean, I can't, Crane, Kane, whatever it is called. Kang. Kane, thank you. Yeah. How basically Kang uh, is now going to control the TVA mm-hmm. and making it into his image. Or if this is basically uh, like a pocket dimension where a lot of these other multiverse people can just like sit around and basically relax just like hey things are you know things are bad but you know it's mm-hmm. like we're outside of our own little personal bowl it's sort of like the same thing they do in mm-hmm. what if where it's like strains and the watcher basically allow themselves to create their own little pocket dimensions where things are allowed to be like outside of the timeline so mm-hmm. they can easily be you know Within that little, the, the, so if this is like basically a pocket of dimension where Strange could actually be brought up on his own little trousers, and I could easily see the same thing happening to Wander, and them trying to go after Wander and finding out that Wander essentially enslaved an entire town. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, oh, the entire then... town, huh? No, you said sorry. I'm like, no, not you said sorry. I'm like, all good. All right, and you know, slaves an entire town, and then suddenly. These people decided to uh, just wonder over her, you know, actions. So yeah, I get it, and and that might be the reason why Wonder is very all bloodied up mm-hmm. in the trailer. Where it's like there is a shot where her face is all bloodied. Uh, it looks like she's back in Westview, mm-hmm. especially if she's talking. Especially if it's like a uh, like a multiverse thing. Yeah, maybe it is possible that uh, Wander is talking to a Wanda that actually does live in Westfield with Vision. So, yeah, you know. And and has her kids, too, because that's going to be another big thing for Wanda, because at the end of WandaVision, yeah. this, like, our universe is Wanda, or I, or the MCU Wanda, I guess we'll call it. Like, yeah. she was literally with that book, you know, that, that sacred, you know, damned book, whatever they called it. The Darkhold. The Darkhold, yeah. And she's like reading through that book and then she hears the voice of one of her kids, you know, calling out for her and then, you know, boom, end of show. Yeah. So that could also be a big part of like her motivations to essentially double cross strange. Yeah. but And and also and also another thing I thought of, too, because um, in the comics, one of the members of the Illuminati is Doctor Strange. So maybe the Illuminati will then ask the MCU universe Doctor Strange to join their Illuminati to help them. Yeah, and then Wanda will be the one who gets essentially put on more of like this trial kind of thing, and then that and then yeah, that brings us back to her line of like her saying, "You break the rules, Doctor Strange, and you get rewarded. Like maybe you get put on the council in this movie, yeah. and then I break the rules, and then I'm the one put on trial." After her constantly being reaffirmed by her teammates, her friends that no, no, she's okay. It's all fine. You did what you did. We yeah. understand. <laughs> Now, uh, speaking of Strange, there are essentially other variants of Doctor Strange in this movie. There is uh, Zombie Strange. Mm-hmm. There is a... Apparently, this isn't the, the Strange Supreme that you see in What If. This is apparently just called Sinister Strange, which is essentially mm-hmm. the things just got out of hand. The Strange, the, the one that mm-hmm. speaks like that. Okay. And there is the uh, Kung Fu Strange, where basically... <laughs> it's the guy Kung Fu with, Strange. Yeah, there's there's a sort of strange with like essentially darker hair, but with a white stripe around here. 
he basically has like a kung fu type of a thing, uh, like a. Oh, oh, is that the one where they're at that like ma- kind of mountainy kind of side? There's the minute yeah. all just clouds. Oh, I, I thought that was actually just regular strange because it was just oh, a apparently, shot. Apparently, that's that's basically a kung fu strange or something like that. Huh. Okay. Interesting. But yeah, but, but also it is possible, like just the thing that could be the what if strange because, like, as we saw in the what if version, he takes in all these kind of monsters inside of him. And then one yeah. the, near the end, we see all these monsters starting to almost come out of Doctor Strange. Yeah. Well, I feel like it, unless that's just going to be zombie Doctor Strange, just unleashing zombies from his body, I guess. But it's like, could Which be either zombie. one of those. Like, there's so many possibilities. And then, and not to mention, like, also, I think we also glossed over, I think, one of the biggest cameos, or not cameos, just one of the biggest appearances that's going to show up, Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier. Is it Charles Xavier, though? It's well, I mean, it's, Pat- I mean, it's going to be a Charles Xavier for sure. Well, because be I mean, you can't, because that's the thing. It's Patrick Stewart. Everyone knows Patrick Stewart. You Stewart's can't just voice, bring yeah. Patrick Stewart in and him not be Professor X in some capacity or variation. Like, not the one we've seen, probably a different version, of course. It's not a Professor X, it's just going to be Picard. <laughs> it's don't, just John no, no, don't do that. Just let it be Professor X. <laughs> No, it, it, it's, it, it's probably got to be like Professor X, but it's just uh, like, it's got to be like, you know, a name like Ralph Boner or something like that. <laughs> God, I would literally just go out of the theater. I'm like, no, no, no this is what you're going to do. You're going to do this for because if that's what they do, they're going to do it for the rest of the movie. And I'm like, no, I'm not playing this game again. But yeah, it is. Pro- it is most definitely going to be either Professor X that you that we've probably seen and know and love or. It is going to be a variant of Professor X that is probably even linked to like another reality that actually holds like the X-Men accountable and stuff like that, too, where it actually feels like yeah. these are actual X people and stuff like that, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I could easily see, like, if that Council of Illuminati is probably and apparently going by the Ultron uh, bots that we see that are. Or, or, or are they even Ultron bots? Well, they have the appearance of Ultron bots, but they're Ultron-like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's definitely an idea of, okay, Strange is being led into a world that he does not really realize because of his actions you know, in um, No Way Home. And that's another thing is, like, how much of No Way Home is going to be affected with uh, Strange because, you know— Wong even told him in New No Way Home, it's like, don't do anything stupid. And Strange was like, I won't do anything stupid. Well, actually, well, well, that's the thing, though. Like, that was just, they just did that for the trailer to get a little laugh, essentially. Because in the actual movie, um, Wong basically is just like, he more or less gives his blessing, which is sort of a, like, look, just be careful. Don't screw this all up, okay? Yeah. Because, yeah, he's like. Because he knows Strange is going to do it anyway. Like, he knows he can't yeah. stop Strange. <laughs> but, it's, but it's, yeah, like, especially because, like, as we see in No Way Home, where it's, like, literally the universe starts rupturing near the end. Yeah. And it's, like, yeah. all these villains from other Spider-Man universes start showing up almost. Like, they're just yeah. waiting to come through, and Doctor Strange is trying to hold it in until he eventually does fix it. Yeah, so it definitely feels like that the line from Wander is probably going to be very... Uh, prominent with that where it's just like okay you know maybe he is going to be rewarded because he definitely almost broke the universe but he also repaid the universe in a way that you know that didn't let the universe entirely you know explode mm-hmm. also it's like just look at the body count too like it was a it was so much smaller compared to what wanda was doing even though yeah. yes even though yes wanda didn't inherently kill anybody she also tortured people for a long period of time yeah, and the fact that it's you know that like we don't know if she's actually doing something to keep to actually learn how to control her powers. The one character though that I am ready to see in this thing is America Chavez. Because mm. America, because I'm always heard about how America Chavez is basically a dimensional traveler from her own little universe, and basically how you know she was like a princess there, and then her family got killed, and then she basically transported herself into the, the Marvel universe just to escape and then so I, I can't wait to see what her story brings into the table especially if we're, if we're going into the multiverse but also mm-hmm. this is Sam Raimi mm-hmm. how much of Sam Raimi's ideas that he had for Spider-Man 4 could come mm-hmm. into play because 
obviously, you know, obviously enough, he could finally have Bruce Campbell appear as, you know, maybe as Ash, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or maybe as Mysterio, as like yeah. he was also going to. Yeah. I, like as a variant of Mysterio, where it's just like Bruce Campbell and Mysterio. But I honestly, and, and there's that shot of, uh, not, of, uh, Benedict come of uh, of Doctor Strange like going into like cubes of whatever is happening to his face. Yeah, uh, like this is peak Sam Raimi. This is one mm-hmm. I'm missing from a Sam Raimi film, where it's just like whatever's happening is strange, and whatever's happening to wonder, and whatever force is really at play. I can't wait to see what like what type of villain is that. You know, is it Kane? You know, is it Crane? Kane. Kang uh, is it Kang the Conqueror doing all this just to you know just to be for funsies? Is mm-hmm. the Illuminati doing this? Is it Wanda doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, is it someone else at play? You know, knowing Marvel, it could be someone else's play that could actually tie into you know the next Avengers you know a threat thing. Probably so, yeah. It could be Kang, but it, I feel like Kang might be. Uh, a threat. Well, they're, well, they're also saving him though, because I think yeah, because I think they're saving him for Quantum Mania. Yeah. It might be a quantum mania type of thing, but yeah, it, it definitely feels like something is at play, but we don't know what you know who is at play. And obviously, whatever is at play, it's obviously trying to paint Doctor Strange as the hero and Wander as a villain, even though Wander is a villain in her own right because of what happened with WandaVision. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely can't see. I mean, I definitely can't wait to see what Sam Raimi has cooked up with Doctor Strange too. Mm-hmm. And and it's like just quickly too. It's like one of the I think cameos that we might see is like, um, like we're referring to with those like you know Ultron like robots that are like walking Doctor Strange. Yeah. So I saw some rumors kind of going around that, or not rumors, just some theories. Really, I should say some theories yeah. going around that it's going to be Superior Iron Man played by Tom yeah. Cruise. And honestly, that would be amazing because Tom Cruise would actually be pretty good as like a variant of Tony Stark. And he was actually gonna be Tony Stark in um, the first Iron Man, but they, you know, Paramount just decided like I forgot it was no, I think it was probably John Favreau who just didn't want him to be Tony Stark and wanted someone else to be like, and was really pushing for you know Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. But Tom Cruise as a as superior Iron Man, it might that might be as like amazing because. According to my friends who are very big comic people, Superior Iron Man is basically evil Tony Stark. So, and and if you want someone to play evil Tony Stark, you would need someone who is just as affable as Robert Downey Jr., but who would be an amazing villain to watch. And mm-hmm. and if you do watch Tom Cruise as a villain, he is amazing to watch because you just forget, oh, this is Tom Cruise. You know, Collateral, I always bring up Collateral, but mm-hmm. if you want to watch a movie where Tom Cruise plays an, an excellent villain, Collateral. Uh, oh, that is one of his best movies by far. Oh, yeah. And he just plays a role with the same nuance and and affable like nature you just see in a regular Tom Cruise movie. You know, but yeah, if Tom Cruise gets in... You know, in all honesty, you know, there's a lot of stuff we don't know about Multiverse of Venice, but I love how they are keeping some things at, at bay, but they're also letting us know a few things beforehand. Like, yeah, the moment I heard Sir Patrick Stewart's voice, I was like, "Oh, you got to keep it. This guy's great." Oh yeah, uh, but yeah, it, actually, it's it's like it, it's basically to quote Doctor Strange, like what we know about the multiverse is frighteningly little. Yes. Uh, that from, really and I and that really does kind of sum up what we are going to know about this movie before going into it because I feel like they're going to be so good about keeping so much information very close to the chest on this one and only release just enough, only just enough to wet the appetite. All right, and from excellent trailers to a uh, uh, to a middle ground mech trailer. Uh, Hayden, you should probably talk about this, but the Lord of the Rings uh, first. Power, the Ring of Power, Ring of Power series. So yeah, take it away, Hayden. So yeah, so they released a uh, one-minute teaser for a Amazon's uh, Lord of the Rings show, The Ring of Power, and it's set like thousands of years before The Hobbit, the Lord of the Rings movies, and 
it's very meh. Like, there's not a lot to take from it at the moment because it's just like, well, also because like, you know, it, they're going into a time period where there's like literally what amounts to thousands of years of lore and possibilities and they're having to condense it all down for the show. Yeah. And like, this is a tricky one because it's become one of those things where if you say you don't like it, you're immediately called racist, sexist. But then if you do immediately like it, you're like, Oh, you're woke SJW. And it's like, Weirdly enough, there are some truths in both. Yeah. Because you can tell they're trying to be more diverse just for the sake of diversity, really. Because yeah. it doesn't look like they're actually trying to do anything with it that's actually nuanced. At least just from what I've gathered from information that Amazon themselves have also said in, a, I think it was a Vanity Fair interview. or Yeah. Yeah, for like a Vanity Fair article. But they're literally talking about how they want to mold the show based off of our modern day. And, and it's like... No, that actually doesn't work because it's a fictional world. Yeah. That's like, that doesn't make any sense. It's a fictional world. Also because the the Tolkien lore is so rich. There's already so much there. Just work with that. He literally gave you the blueprints. Why are you trying to shred blueprints? Like, for, like they literally used the blueprints for Lord of the Rings movies. And look how successful those were. Hobbits were still technically successful, even though they definitely weren't as good. Yeah, that, like the blueprints are there. Just work with what he gave you. It's sort of like the same problem that they had with Lord, uh, Lord of Rings, um, G- Game of Thrones, when they had mm-hmm. essentially the blueprint to at least five books or six books, like like basically five and a half books with the whatever they had with they they were getting from George R. R. Martin's uh, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, like pages of uh, like this is what's going to be happening in this book and so they could work with that but when you do have like a, a, a rich lore like like literally people who people within that community actually bring out and say hey this is what happened this is the history of 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 uh, before Shanron and this is the history that after Shanron and this is the history that happened after Sharon's defeat. Like you could easily work with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, when they and I could easily see them trying to say, okay, we want to do this as their own as its own thing. And you know, that's fine. You know, you easily do it as its own thing. You know, have it not tied to the movies, have it just tied to the book in general. You know, but there are a lot of people and a lot of fans of say, hey, we want to who are probably tied more to the books, I mean, tied more to the movies than they are with the books, even though the books, mm-hmm. you know, have, even though the books and movies, you know, fairly different a lot. You know, fairly, you know, books and movies are probably nine day between each other. Mm-hmm. And also, it's like one of the big things, it's like, you don't need to play to diversity because there's already diversity within the lore. It's already there. You just actually have to, you know, read the material to know it's there. Yeah. And you actually have to understand that. Like, and they literally want to make things too, because it's like, like Lord of the Rings, it's like all the races coming together to work to stop the bad guys. Yeah. So it's like, you can easily do something like that in the, you know, in, in this Ring of Power series before the ring got made. And then also be able to work around showing how everything kind of got corrupted. Now Sauron created that Ring of Power and took over or started yeah. taking over and launched his war. It's like, it's so clear that they're just doing it for the sake of just looking diverse instead of actually using the material and the diversity already written into the material yeah. with all the different races and and so what and some ugh, tongue-tied. I know, I know. It, it's, like they're, it's like they're just trying to do diversity for the sake of, di- of diversity without clearly actually understanding material they have before them. Like, they yeah. literally fired a... um. A Lord of the Rings scholar, essentially, a Tolkien scholar, because technically, because I guess he went on some unsanctioned interview. But it's like, I feel like it was also probably because, like, what Amazon wanted to do was actually very different from the lore. Because they're also because the writers they brought in were like, yeah, we're going to tailor ourselves to what Amazon wants to do. Yeah. And I think that's the problem is that the 
Amazon really just wants to ride on the coattails of, oh, you know, there is no big uh, fantasy uh, fantasy thing where, you know, Game of Thrones just ended like a, few, a couple of years ago. So, so there's like this whole filling of a hole of essentially <clears throat> no, no Game of Thrones, no anything else. You know, uh, there is a new Game of Thrones series, but they, you know, they have yet to really release a trailer for that, and that's probably coming out the probably at the back end of this year, maybe early, early next year, probably between that mm-hmm. little uh, time frame. So mm-hmm. here, you know, I like the fact that aside from the last moment of the of the opening, that they did the opening by hand. So I do like that fact. Yeah. You know, it's all by hand. It's all by you know, welling, uh, uh, Iron Smith and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. Like but, that was that was awesome. Yeah, but I could I could easily see you know, I can easily understand that the reason why people are upset and rightfully so is that they're basically changing the the lore around just to fit essentially a TV show, mm-hmm. which you know that that's like not just a TV show. This this vision that like the studio has for it that. Yeah doesn't actually match up with the material in the first place. And it's like, you guys literally had the easiest job in the world. Let the material tell the story for you. But now you're trying to write, like you're trying to alter that material because you're trying to like tell messages when it's like, you don't need to try and tell a message. The material is already there to tell the message for you. Don't try to create a message that's already going to make your job even more difficult. And then it's just going to become very obvious to everyone watching what you're doing. Yeah, like it's like it's basically it's like if you're just trying to throw in diversity for the sake of diversity, it's it's just because people have gotten used to accepting the bare minimum. So that's what they do. They just throw in diversity for the sake of diversity, and then they're like, okay, job is done. Now we don't yeah. have to, now we don't have to actually put in the work to actually tell a nuanced characters for these diverse characters we put in. And on that note, I think it probably falls into the next trailer that kind of came out today, which is the Chip and Dale uh, movie or original movie. And yeah, this is sort of like the same thing that we we were talking about before, where it's just basically Disney kind of like using its own like IPs and stuff like that too to basically say, hey, you know, we have these characters. We're just not gonna do. We're not gonna just tell a story. We just gotta do a story that's sort of like the same and like the like like the, like this is literally the same plot. Like the plot where it's like, oh, the Chippendales are actual people. They were just doing a show and stuff like that too. Where it's just like. You like you just said before. You have the blueprints in the thing. It's not hard to make Chippendales Rescue Rangers to be literally a rescue. You know, the Rescue Rangers have 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 them like go into jungles and look for stuff. You can easily make that in, into a good show. I mean, or a new movie like that. But now, I mean, literally one of the scenes. It's like they throw an Indiana Jones reference. Well, that's because. Uh, I forgot who it is. It's either Chip or Dale. I, I think it's Chip because Chip wears the same exact clo- uh, the exact same clothes in the show. So yeah, it, it's but exactly, that's to your point though. It's like they already threw that reference in too. It's like exactly they could have just gone on an, an adventure in a jungle, and here's someone who goes on adventures in jungles. Yeah, more or less. And, like, I mean. It, Chippendale is not a hard show to make into a movie. You just have to figure out, okay, you know, yes, that you know, that you know, that, that they a, a, a mouse flies your ship, yes, and they there are two chipmunks, and the other, you know, they have another. Uh, I forget what I, I, I'm not sure those two, uh, but yeah, you know, they have two mouse. Uh, I think they're two mice. I'm not sure, but they have two mice that fix their ship. You know, they fly a ship that basically. Should not be a a, a ship. I mean, I mean, not ship. They should not be a, a a plane that looks like a ship. But yeah, it's an easy formula. Mm-hmm. And compare that to the Lord of the Rings, where it's just like you have the formula, you have the blueprints, and use them. But they obviously don't want to do that because they want to, you know, cater to more modern audiences. Because modern audiences don't probably don't want to watch a show that's like essentially based off of a of a big uh, a big product. Well, that's also just like, I mean, I think, well, I think that's also just like them not even understanding the audiences. Yeah. Because they'll watch it. I mean, like, seriously, how many people love Lord of the Rings? Like, seriously, like, they don't even, they, they don't have to try and, and like, cater to other audiences. Like, all you need to do is actually just create good content. 
that people will like and enjoy. And then they'll talk about it to all their friends and tell them to watch it. And then they'll probably watch it and then so on and so on. And then boom, there you go. Which leads me to the next like argument or uh, not argument, the next topic, which is essentially streaming, you know, streaming services. Uh, like I was saying before when we started that a lot of these streaming services are just trying to one up each other. Mm-hmm. You know, Netflix, like one of the biggest news with Netflix was that, you know, they're actually taking off the Marvel Netflix series that have been mainstays on their about to say account on their uh, site for essentially its inception. It's since Before, like 2015. Yeah, it's since 2015. Like that's when Netflix became like the juggernaut that has been like the thing. But over the past few years, Netflix really hasn't been like aside from maybe The Witcher and Stranger Things and like Squid Game and stuff like that too. Well, Squid Game is a, a show that was produ- uh, produced internationally. Yeah, like, and, uh, yeah. Squid Game I think happened. Because wasn't Squid Game on like um because it was in like South Korea and I think it wasn't originally already out there and then eventually no, no, no. Netflix picked it up or am I or am I no 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 but uh, th- th- those are like other uh, shows that they do that too so they have a big thing you know internationally but mm-hmm. Squid Game was a big international production that uh, that Netflix just picked up so mm-hmm. because uh, like not many people wanted to do this thing and. Netflix was like, yeah, you know, yeah, all right, we'll do it. I I feel like Netflix has also kind of realized that it's like they clearly can't come up with original stuff on their own. So they'll like so they'll basically poach other content, other original content and then make it within their own. But I I think they still do at least give the creators the creative liberties to create. So at least there's that, you know, with The Witcher, you know, that's. A whole different thing by itself, because which is basically a, a whole lore of thing, and mm-hmm. we could easily just say like why Henry Cavill carries like a Witcher Bible on set just to make sure everything is going, you know, <laughs> uh, fluently <laughs> and uh, strongly, mm-hmm. you know. Because Henry Cavill is a gem among humans. Oh yes, uh, but as of right now, it's like, and, and they also re- announced that today they're going to be doing Bioshock movie. And I like Bioshock, you know, I have yet to really play the other games. I only played Bioshock Infinite because mm-hmm. it has, you know, Troy Baker. And I'm like, oh, this was a time where I was I really liked Troy Baker. And I still love Troy Baker, but I'm like, mm-hmm. now I'm like, there are other voice actors not like Troy Baker. So I'm like, <laughs> I, I've grown to learn other voice actors and stuff like that, too. So, <laughs> you know, there are other voice actors that are not Troy Baker. But yeah. It, but it was during that time where it was like it was during like Troy Baker's like prime voice acting like acad- uh, like prime voice acting uh, like thing, and I mm-hmm. I liked the story of Bioshock Infinite, I, but I never really gotten the other two games because one uh, I think just because I never picked them up on the 360, or they may mm-hmm. have been like uh, price, you know, they, they, it may have been like very. Uh, not, yeah, pricey to get because on the 360, because a lot of these Xbox games, they were very pricey mm-hmm. as opposed to the PS3 or PS, you know, PS, your PlayStation games. But nowadays, I'll probably, if I do want to play the uh, Bioshock series, I can just easily get the, uh, I think it's called the Bioshock Definitive Collection, where it's just basically mm-hmm. all the games. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, where it's just like it's basically a package deal, and as you just basically play Bioshock One, Two, and then Infinite, and then the Burial at Sea DLC that's part of uh, Infinite and stuff like that too. And yeah. but I remember Bioshock coming out being like, oh, this will be a great movie to see. You know, like who would direct a movie? And then kind of, and, and like any other video game movie that that came out like in the past decade or so it was like no one really wants to do a video game movie, but mm-hmm. and. I mean, also because barely anyone can even do video game movies the right way in the first place. Yeah. And I do have low expectations because one, this is Netflix. And whenever Netflix does a production that isn't like a high fantasy type of thing, you know, the Death Note uh, movie that came out like, what was it, a few years ago? Yeah, a few years ago. <sighs> it was, you know, all right. Uh, I'm not really a big fan of the. Uh, of the thing because they really didn't watch it because now I probably have time to actually watch it and stuff like that too. And yeah. it, it'd be like, like I watched the avatar 
the last Airbender cartoon last year, and and I and I don't even have to watch the, the Avatar. The, the, I mean, the last Airbender movie to know how night and day that film is. I mean, that mm-hmm. product is. Oh yeah. So the same thing with Dragon Ball Z. You know, I grew up watching Dragon Ball Z. And then they have Dragon Ball Evolution. It's like, that's very dang day, uh, a production. So as of right now, even though they just announced it, I have, you know, limited expectations with Bioshock, but I do want it to be good because the Netflix needs to have some big thing to keep people to keep, you know, going. But, and it leads me to another thing. It was especially with the, them, like, doing away with the, the, the Marvel Netflix things. Mm-hmm. These were essentially flagship shows on Netflix and now at the end of this month by March 1st there will be no more Daredevil to watch there'll be no more Punisher Luke Cage Jessica Jones Iron Fist Defenders you know and the sad thing was like after No Way Home I was like you know what I'm gonna re you know rewatch all these shows because mm-hmm. it you know get, especially with Hawkeye with bringing back friggin uh, uh the Kingpin yeah, Kingpin of all people, you know, because that's definitely one of those things that I do want to like go back and rewatch all these shows. And now it's like, how can I watch all these like shows in a span of like say a couple of weeks when mm-hmm. like you have to basically just kind of pick one and just like try and do it as quick as you can? Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be and, and some and and another thing is like a lot of, and and this is another thing about Netflix I really don't like is that recently. A lot of their shows have been over like an hour sometimes, mm. like close to 50 minutes, 55 minutes. And I only have a tension span for maybe 45 minutes at a time, maybe 40 minutes. Like, like if it's like over 50 minutes, I know that's like the season finale. But a lot of these shows now are like over an hour long and, you know, 55 minutes long, an hour, you know, hour long is like. To binge watch a show that's like, like maybe eight episodes, ten episodes, thirteen episodes, and find out they're like closer an hour long, that's like a weekend for me, mm-hmm. because, or, you know, I don't have the same exact uh, binge watching ability that I have uh, that I did, you know, previously. Where it's just like, oh, new show come out, I'm like, boom, 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 boom. yeah. It's like, yeah, like it, yeah, like especially with the amount of content that's out too. It's like only a few. There's only a few shows where they'll be like, it'll really grab my attention so much that I will want to just like only focus on watching that. Like Daredevil was one of them. Sons yeah. of Anarchy was one of them. And during the last like couple of seasons, like two seasons of Sons of Anarchy, some of their episodes are going like hour, hour and a half long. Yeah. Like because FX really gave Kurt Sutter like almost seemingly a blank check almost to do what he wants with the show because it was raking in the views and the money. And it's like, there's only, there's only a few shows where you can really do that with and be able to hold the audience's attention because it's yeah, like, like I, for a lot of other shows I'll watch, I'll just multitask. I'll play a game on my phone and then watch, or I'll like try to write on my laptop and then watch at the same time. Like American Horror Story when it's on a, when it was on FX, like in the past few years or so have been like over an hour and 20 minute episodes, maybe because they're, they're obviously, you know, with commercials and stuff like that too, but sometimes they would have like limited commercials mm-hmm. and they would like literally show an episode that feels like 50 minutes, like go on like 50 minutes and then go for commercial and stuff like that too. So yeah, mm-hmm. it definitely feels like nowadays, especially with Netflix, they have so many options to do. And now a lot, a lot of these shows are now going like an hour almost like an hour length. And sometimes a lot of these shows, they have a lot more talking now. It's like, I have no problem with, with people doing talking stuff, but yeah, it's like, uh, you know, when they, when you take away the flagship shows that basically help Netflix, especially with Daredevil, especially a show like Daredevil. Yeah. Where do they go next? Do they go to Disney plus and be like the first shows on Disney plus to be like M rated and stuff like that too? No, of course not. It, well, internationally they do have Disney plus star or Disney store or something like that. We're just basically Hulu internationally. I think that's why it's basically called star plus mm. is basically their version of Hulu internationally. Mm. But as I was thinking, Disney practically owns Hulu so mm-hmm. what I was thinking, what would be a major flex to Disney by just putting the old Netflix Marvel shows on Hulu 
And then over time, if there's a lot of people who are going to watch things on Hulu, especially if you do want to watch something on Hulu, mm-hmm. you know, there are shows on Hulu, but there aren't like many flagship shows that are like, you know, ones that are like, uh, I mean, like, there are flagship shows, but there are like a lot of comedy shows that are like getting more and more attention. Mm-hmm. There's no flagship yeah, like, shows like, that. Yeah, like know. it's the only flagship show that I immediately remember is Handmaid's Tale. That's yeah. the only one from Hulu that I immediately remember because the thing about Hulu is that it's like it's really more for all the access to all the other kind of TV shows that have come out in syndication that yeah. you can now get on Hulu. Like a, like a lot of shows that'll come out with an episode and then you just can just get it the next day on Hulu. Yeah. Or wait until after midnight or something like that. Then it's like on Hulu. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. It's like yeah. It's like Hulu has rarely been used for its for content that is its own inherent content, more or less. Yeah, so it, it, uh, so having these Netflix shows, if they do go to Hulu, and suddenly Hulu decides to actually bring these back sh- these shows back to normal, I mean, back into, you know, syndication, yeah, like, especially... Yeah, like start, like, yeah, like start producing more seasons, like maybe a Daredevil season four, a Jessica Jones season four, a Luke Cage season three, and Iron Fist season three. God, I don't even want to think about that possibility because that's definitely the weakest of them all. But at, at least you know with Iron Fist, they could easily have another. Uh, I mean, they were starting to become a little more better in the fighting stuff and stuff like that too. So it's well, sort of like also, the same. well, they also realized that's like their first season. They realized, yeah, we don't know what the hell we're doing with this story here. So let's actually condense the number of episodes and actually keep the story actually more streamlined and focused this time around for our second season. And to get better, but it, it's still one of those hit or miss kind of shows out of yeah. all the Marvel ones for sure. Or you could easily just do, uh, I mean, with uh, Luke Cage and uh, uh, Danny Rand, you could easily just do Heroes for Hire and have those yes. like, char- like characters just mm-hmm. have like essentially a Heroes for Hire show. And, that would be great. Yeah, you know, Daredevil works alone, but you know, Daredevil and Jessica Jones work alone because that's mm-hmm. their characters. But Danny and Luke could easily just become a, a joint, could joint a, a, a dual show. Just into one, I mean, you could just combine their shows into one show and just call mm-hmm. it Heroes for Hire and have yeah. have you know Danny, Luke, uh, Colleen, and Misty. Just essentially uh, in the same show together, just you know, like oh, you know, this week um, uh, some bank is uh, being harassed by some uh, money launderer or something like that, and that's their you know uh, thing of the week, and they have to figure out oh, you know, this money launderer is actually a uh, old enemy of Luke Cage that we'd never seen before, but you know now he's like kind of like there again. So it was like. So yeah, especially because like you can tell they had a lot of ideas for season three of Luke Cage, but due to the creative differences, they had to can the third season so that they could start pulling back from everything they had then and then start bringing that into Heroes for Hire and then whatever ideas they probably had for maybe a third season of um, Iron Fist and then pull that into here and mix it into one thing. And if you really wanted to do more with uh, Heroes for Hire, just have like a guest star. Yeah, guest stars where it's just like. Uh, you know, it's, like Jessica Jones could show up to help, like find some leads for something, or maybe they need a lawyer. Boom! Matt Murdock shows up and represents them in court. Yeah, it, it, it definitely feels like Heroes for Hire will be the logical next step if you wanted to bring back uh, Luke Cage and and you know Iron Fist and not worry about having them in their own show because mm-hmm. one, that both of them work so well together, oh, especially, yeah. especially when. Uh, Danny was on Luke Cage season two, where it's just like mm-hmm. it was like he was just treated more as a character than on his own show, oddly enough. <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> like he actually felt like an actual character. But then, then you know, like again, not to rip on you know on on those characters, but yeah, if they we're, were, we're ripping because we care about the characters and we want those characters to be taken. In more fulfilling directions for their yeah. characters, and of course, this leads me to uh, the biggest question: Where does Frank Castle, uh, you know, pick up? Is like, does do they just do Frank as like a season three of Punisher and have him like come back and like uh, if they do do a season three of Punisher, I would love them to actually tackle the whole people using the Punisher logo as their um, uh, as their own logo thing and have that- them actually. No. 
No, oh, that would be amazing. Like, you see, like, a rogue group of cops, like, yeah. just taking Punisher's logo and acting like they're the Punisher, and then that brings him back into New York, and then he has to spend his time fighting them and yeah, proving to them why they're not supposed sort of like, to use it in the first place. It, it's sort of like Magnum Force, because Magnum, For- Magnum Force, Dirty Harry, Magnum Force, they basically did the same plot line of rogue cops, mm-hmm. basically performing a vigilante them. And you do the same thing with today with uh, with Punisher and the whole people using his logo as like saying uh, uh, whatnot and bring the whole, you know, bring that whole idea of what is vigilanteism, what's the Punisher doing, people who use the Punisher's uh, ideology in a very warped way. You know, that's an excellent season three. Just that, that, and that's mm-hmm. an excellent way to actually just bring back Frank Castle, not only as a character, but also as a series. You know, absolutely. And then, you know, if you really want to do it, just like, yeah, just have like other episodes where it's just like, you, you know, you want to, you want to see the Punisher, this is the Punisher. Like, and, you know, he goes after like the, like the, like Bushwhacker or the Gnucci family or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, really uh, slow into the whole, uh, comic aspect of like the Punisher because you know these cops or what have you they decide to call out you know they decide to uh call in like criminals to try and take out the Punisher so they call in the Russian or they call in um uh, like other hit, you know hitmen to try and kill Frank Castle you know yeah have fun with that idea because there are you know people in this world who use the Frank Castle ideology of the or the logo really and think, mm-hmm. oh, you know, Punisher would always be like the guy who would be like the back to blue or something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially especially if they want to have like a more adult related show that actually does like adult themes, especially with the Punisher, go with that, you know. Yeah, like that's the perfect person to do it with. A perfect yeah, uh, character, I should say. You know, Daredevil, if it goes, you know, with, you know, with uh, Hulu, it, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, they would have to do the whole thing without Wilson Fisk, but... Daredevil has a lot of other enemies that isn't Wilson mm-hmm. Fisk that could easily become like the next Wilson Fisk for them. So yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, especially where they ended Wilson Fisk too in the Hawkeye series. Yeah, and uh, obviously Wilson Fisk will probably be a major antagonist for Echo. So yeah, mm-hmm. like like as you said before, Kevin Feige could easily just put his foot down and it's like, no, I don't want these on Hulu, and just like lock it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and you know, and. And, and it just brings up another point is that uh, Netflix really doesn't bring out their stuff on DVD unless it's like a Criterion thing or if it's like a special edition DVD that's like they don't really bring out their stuff on DVD. So, yeah, it's like if it's gone on Netflix, it's literally gone forever unless someone decides to download everything and decides to put it on like MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely feels like there's a lot of... Uh, Hesitance, but also I, I can't. I, it's definitely one of those things where I do do want to wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I know we've kind of gone long enough talking about that, but I do want to end on a. Well, I will say on a sad note, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. we did lose another legend in the comedy field of Ivan Reitman, who directed Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters Two, Twins, Kindergarten Cop. Many other you know great comedic movies. He was also a producer on you know like Animal House. Uh, practically every like if it was a big major comedy in the eighties, especially the seventies and eighties, he probably had his hand already in it as a, either as a producer, executive producer, or even director, or even a writer. Mm-hmm. Like you, so, yeah, you probably watched a movie that Ivan Reichman has been involved in without realizing he was involved in it. Probably, yeah. Uh, I feel like he also did. He also did National Lampoon's Vacation. I might be wrong. <laughs> Hang on for a second. Uh, but yeah, do you have any? Uh, like, do you have any memories of like what was your first Reitman production, or was it just like yeah? Or do you have any memories of what like type of like movies you remember of him? Like, like you just said before, it's like it, it, may, it may have been like a major movie, uh, like a comedy movie, like maybe like a Ghostbusters or Kindergarten Cop, or was it just like something like you just said before, is like, you just kind of like remember, yeah, it's like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I think my first one was definitely uh, Kindergarten Cop, and then later on Ghostbusters. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, yeah, like he is good. Like he knows what he's doing, for sure. Or well, 
he he knew what he was he knew what he was doing. I should probably say. And yeah. I I want to say he also I think directed Ghost either he directed or he was involved in Ghostbusters Afterlife. Like I think that was probably the last one he was involved with that has come out. I think he produced it. He produced it. Yeah. So like yeah. that was like I think that was like one of the last ones he was involved in. Uh, before his passing, although maybe there, or maybe he was already working on something else. Probably, so uh, he actually produced Space Jam. That's a, that's actually a uh, that's actually something uh, amazing to know. Hmm. He actually produced the first. He actually produced his first Space Jam. Uh, but yeah, it, it, yeah, the last movie he did, the final film project was Ghostbusters Afterlife. He also hmm. produced it, but he also helped uh, motion capture. The role of Hal Ramis in the movie, where it's just like, not well, obviously a big spoiler, but it's been out for the past few months now. But in, in the end, you know, Egon Spangler comes back as a spirit and does help the Ghostbusters like save the day. And it, it's weird to watch it because one, it's a image of Hal Ramis' face on like computer things, and it looks very lifelike. It looks like it actually feels like him actually on screen, but. Knowing that he was also the guy who was on set as like the thing, it actually feels like almost um, like full circle with the with the character, or well, not the character, but on the 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 concept of Ghostbusters. Because as mm-hmm. I said, you know, Ghostbusters like really was like one of the big. Big common movies I watched as a kid. You know, it was probably more Ghostbusters two because Ghostbusters two does need more love than it does you know everything else. <laughs> but like you said before, it was probably a mixture of Ghostbusters two and Kindergarten Card, uh, Kindergarten Cop, Twins. Uh, oh, like Space those. and Space Jam. He was also producer for that. Yeah. So you had these like, especially those three movies, and well, Space Jam as well, but. And yeah, it definitely feels like Reitman was a not only a major figure in filmmaking history, but also a major figure in comedic history, especially mm-hmm. where it's like a lot of my comedic elements is brought back because of all, all the uh, comedy, all the comedy movies I've watched over the years. Because I, you know, I'm just so used to watching those type of movies, and it is sad that we did lose a legend. So yeah. It, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, it's a little hard for me to talk about that because you know it's like I don't know the per- I don't know the guy, but he did like shape my childhood. So it, it, it like it's like finding out your ch- like one of your childhood had, uh, heroes has passed away. So it's like it's 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 very hard. And, you know, it, it's yes. you know obviously people grow old, people will you know fortunately pass away, but their legacy and lineage will live on because of their contributions that they make to society and what better way with uh reitman whereas like his contribution to society was essentially creating essentially not only a fantastic comedic a sci-fi comedy supernatural film series like ghostbusters but also mm-hmm. creating a movie where arnold schwarzenegger and danny devito were twin brothers <laughs> arnold schwarzenegger and danny devito were scientists and arnold schwarzenegger becomes pregnant you know, or or you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and that's another thing. It's like he is synonymous for working with Schwarzenegger. He had like three movies with him. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, oh, I think Bill Murray too. Yeah, Bill Murray, Bill Murray as well. So yeah, it definitely feels like as you know, his contributions to filmmaking is like it's amazing, especially when you look over his like. Not only uh, credits as a producer, but also as a executive producer, maybe as a story writer, person who writes, you know, as a screenwriter. So, yeah, it definitely feels like a lot of it is like as my childhood, you know, it's, it's like finding out that when the childhood had, uh, heroes is just like gone. So it's just like, you know, it's, it's hard to describe because mm-hmm. as I just said before, a lot of my childhood uh, uh, comedy movies were synonymous with those like with those Essentially, those four movies, where it's just like Ghostbusters, Twins, Kindergarten Cop, Space Jam, stuff like that too. Is there's like, yeah, but yeah. Anyway, I, I'm rambling on. You know, as I said before, it's hard to talk about when a childhood hero passes on. But you know, as long as I, like I said before, it 
his legacy will carry on through the lineage. Because I know his son, Jason, is a fantastic director in his own right, and especially as a screenwriter, too. But uh, Ivan Reichman's uh, contributions to society, especially with his movies, will always live on because there would never be another movie like Ghostbusters or Kindergarten Cop or, Mm -hmm. or... what have you? So yeah, but yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm rambling on. As I said, that's the end of the episode. I'm sorry if it ended on a very down or no, but you know, I, I wanted to at least give out a nice little moralization to Mr. Reitman, who basically shaped our childhoods. Even, mm-hmm. even, even if you don't know, that was the type of movie that you like you should be watching when you were a kid. Like, because when you when when you are like rewatching movies that are like. Made for families and stuff like that too. But like *Kindergarten Cop* is a very heavy film to watch, especially as an adult, because it has like themes of child abuse, mm-hmm. child endangerment, uh, uh, psychotic, you know, type of uh, fathers who are trying, who's trying to uh, stuff, you know, teen partying and all that stuff. And then it's like, and then as a kid, you probably don't notice. It's like, oh yeah, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger being the big hero, and then you're watching it as a as a full on film, like. Good Lord, that's a lot of friggin' things you didn't notice it now. <laughs> but if there's one thing I couldn't say, it's God bless the 90s for being so blase about some of these things. Because you could have like a lot of stuff in a very kids movie and no one would have been an eye about it. Yeah. Well, the same thing about the age too, but the less said about that, the better. <laughs> All right. Uh, that was the, that's the end of the episode. I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, I know we went a little longer this week, but we had to talk about Dr. Strange and a lot of this stuff about streaming sites and stuff like that, too. So I hope you all enjoy it. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Uh, Hayden, we have any other like closing remarks or something? Everyone stay safe. Drive the speed limit. Have a good day. <laughs> good way to say it. And uh, everybody else, just take care, be well, and be safe.